Hello, cyber friends. This is Chatting Cyber, and I'm your host, Mark Shine. This podcast focuses on how companies can help qualify and quantify the cost of a data breach. Chatting Cyber features some of the most well-respected privacy and cyber experts in the world. Join the conversation with business leaders, government agencies, and cyber experts to learn more about how and why they got into this ever-changing field that we call cyber risk. Hello, cyber colleagues. I'm Mark Shine, National Co-Chair of the Cyber Center of Excellence here at Marsh McLennan Agency. And today we have a true cyber celebrity with us. Mike, thanks for joining. Thank you, Mark. I'm glad to join you today. So, so Mike, you know, we always like to start off with, you know, where did you grow up? Um, I'm a cheesehead. So I, I was born and raised in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, I actually didn't go to undergrad at Wisconsin. I went to Wake Forest in North Carolina. So mm. I have the affiliation of the Demon Deacons. Unfortunately, the 9-0 team hit a buzzsaw with North Carolina over the weekend and we got beat. But I did finish up, did some graduate work at the University of Wisconsin. I'm still a Packer fan. Still have a little family here, but now I live in Austin, Texas. Sure. Um, and, and what did you study when you were kind of growing up? Like, ha, ha, you know, was it was it a certain uh, uh, class that you took that helped you get into your field that you're in today? Or was this kind of by uh, uh, um, creation or by accident, like most of the folks on today's call? It was definitely by accident. I got my start. Uh, I took, got my degree in labor economics before that. But I started my first job was actually slaughtering hogs and cows at the Oscar Mayer plant in Madison because I was making $10 and 76 cents an hour and it paid for me to go to school. So uh, being in the meatpacking business didn't have anything to do with what I'm doing today. But I will say, and I tell my kids this, that my degree in labor economics, actually I use once or twice a week and it's helped me from a general business perspective. But the reason I got into cyber 15 or so years ago was I moved back to Austin after being away, I'd worked for Dell and Lenovo on the tech side of the business and then came back and I was one of the early employees with CSID, which Experian acquired in 2016. I, I had left by then, but it was a great opportunity. A friend of a friend turned me on to the president and chairman at the time. And I have not looked back since being in the breach and, and identity theft protection business. Well, Mike, I, I got to say, you know, I can personally attest, I think you do a phenomenal job of getting, you know, the Experian brand out there as well as your own. I mean, every conference I go to, it seems like, uh, you know, you're, you're either a sponsor of or, uh, you know, a keynote speaker for. So, um, you know, how for, for our listeners that try and uh, uh, get into the cyber community, especially within the insurance industry, how did you find so much success working within these panels and perhaps some of these carriers um, was there a secret sauce that you guys had, had come up with that, uh, you know, helped kind of spur additional engagement? Well, I think our secret sauce is, is threefold. First of all, Lisa Feets, who is our events coordinator, a program manager for any of the outbound stuff that we do outside of PR, she has been a superstar and she's well-versed with the advising folks, net diligence, IAPP. And I think that's job number one, having someone that knows how to get you involved in, in various aspects of the industry. Second, I think you have to look for places like net diligence and advising in particular, where you can have 
everybody come together from all aspects of the business. You talked about cyber and of course the cyber carriers turn up, but you also have the forensics folks, the privacy attorneys, the data analysts, notification vendors, and it's one big family, quite honestly. And we treat it that way. We value our relationships with people that refer us, that don't refer us, because it's such a small community. If your reputation is good in that community, it goes a long way, but it only takes one bad event, one dissatisfied customer, and then things don't go so well after, after that. Sure. sure. So, so, so having such a, a powerful brand behind you, um, I'm sure that there's several different areas within the firm. Can you just kind of tell the listeners, you know, what experience, what do they really do and what are they well, most, most well known for? Most people will say, hey, experience the credit bureau. And it's the credit bureau as we know it, we're the largest credit bureau in the world with over a billion and a half credit records. But there are four other divisions that Experian has. Our data analytics group, which is customized software. We have consumer services, which in fact, I'm a part of and Data Breach sits under consumer services. And, and then we also have um, a group that has healthcare, automotive, and other businesses that specifically support those with uh, not only customized software, but ways to reduce fraud, uh, improve collections, and all of that. So we're known for being the bureau, but there are divisions uh, outside of that that are very important and contribute to our overall bottom line. Sure. Can you tell us a little bit about the notification practice that you guys have? Sure. The, the noti- we've been in the notification business in earnest for the last 12 years. Um, we got into servicing data breaches in 2003 with the first California state notification law, but we were only providing credit monitoring at the time. And then about 12 years ago, between the requests for notification, whether it's email, substitute notice, or an actual paper letter, and then the fact that you needed a call center to be able to answer FAQ questions, as well as do fraud resolution, help people enroll if they don't want to enroll online, an identity theft protection product, we bundled those all together. And so about 80% of our clients are buying all three services, notification, call center, and then identity theft protection. And we're very fortunate because we, we service, whether it's quantity one of a data breach or last sure. year, our largest data breach was 24 million people across 10 countries. We have been very fortunate that we have lots of good referral attorneys that we partner with. So it seems like you guys have a very unique uh, business model where you're able to kind of give that 360 solution. Um, you know, my question, I guess, would be is, you know, from a, um, from a challenge standpoint, um, you know, where do you see the challenges lie within insureds, um, you know, over the, in your, from your viewpoint, you know, over the next, you know, 12 to 24 months? Is there a particular uh, issue that you, you feel might um, become problematic for insureds? Or perhaps it's something already that they're discussing? Well, what we're doing today is not that much different from what we did three years ago. And I don't think it's going to be that much different in terms of the core foundational work that we do three years from now. First, 
what we want to do is we want to be your chosen partner because one, we, we do the work you asked us to do and we do it consistently well. So consistently delivering on the notification services, meeting the deadlines, making consumers happy uh, is, is job number one. Second, we have to do it in a best value way. We're not going to be the least expensive provider out there, but we're going to give you the most value. One of the things that we do that nobody else does is we provide ongoing fraud resolution for any consumer that's enrolled in our product for life. It's called Extend Care. So you may get a one year's worth of credit monitoring, but if you call five years down the road, even though you've been out of your monitoring product, we'll help you regardless of what the issue is with fraud and resolve it until you're satisfied. The other thing that we do, Mark, is what we try to do is innovate. Uh, one of the new products that we're, we're actually rolling out right now is uh, our crisis management response. It sounds fancy, but all it is is taking the notification and call center aspects of the business and applying it to an adjacent field and data breach. So this is last year in Texas, we had a winter storm that shut down the state for three or four days. And we had a number of clients came to us and say, hey, could you actually help us with the call center? Because we can't get agents into our call center. Do you have a way to, to handle that volume or to notify people uh, from an energy company that their power is out, out or a storm is coming or anything like that? And we've got that capability. We've been using it for data breach. We're just applying it to use to support their business continuity plan. So um, we want to be innovative, we want to be best value, but we always want to deliver to commit. So that, that foundational aspect of what we do in data breach is always going to be there. Sure, sure. So, so in the process, Mike, so when we're talking typically to an insured or for one of our clients that are, might be listening to this particular podcast, when should they typically engage uh, an organization like yourself? Is it prior to the incident? Is it during the incident, post-incident? Do they need to go through legal counsel? What is really the best, pra uh, best practice in order to engage uh, yourself and Experion? The best practice is to have an agreement with us before an event occurs so that one, we have clients that will help them do the, the preparation. Um, our reserve response clients actually spend eight to 10 weeks going through a, a, a workbook that's almost 100 pages to be able to go ahead through ev every aspect of a breach response. And then we'll guarantee the SLAs, we'll guarantee capacity. You're going to pay a retainer for that, but that's the best engagement that we have. Separate from that, even if you haven't had an event, you should always have a privacy attorney and a cyber insurance provider at the ready. And if you suspect you're having an event, reach out to that privacy attorney, reach out to the cyber insurer, say, hey, we think we have an event. We would also like that heads up then. One of the things now, Mark, is that about 50% of the events that we get contacted in become never notifiable. So in other words, we don't even go into action, but we get, still get a heads up so that we can prepare because although we have done the Friday to Monday, we notif we're notified we have to launch letters and we can do it over the weekend in 24 or 48 hours. That's not ideal. So the more heads up, the better. The other thing that's great about what I suggested is that if you have a privacy attorney, you're also able to operate under privilege as you, if you so choose to, and we're always uh, encouraging that. 
uh, with any client. So, 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 Mike. So, for the folks on the call, how, how would they how would they find you? Um, how, how how can they reach you? Is it uh, best via email, LinkedIn, uh, phone? Um... The best place is, and you can get anything you need from Experian at www.experian.com forward slash data breach. It's our main landing page. It has a one eight hundred number. You can call and get a call back from one of our client engagement managers within 15 minutes if you're having a live event, it has all our white papers, it has any of the consumer information to how to protect yourself or prevent identity theft. It also has webinars and industry events. So it's the one-stop shop place. It will also have my contact information as well as our business development team. Sure. So I know we've spoken about a lot, everything from the Packers to uh, uh, post-breach. What what should I have asked you today, Mike, that I that I didn't get to touch upon? Um, I know you didn't need to ask me about ransomware because that's what everybody's talking about. <laughs> and I'm glad that you didn't because everybody else that I've talked to this week asked me about ransomware. I will tell you, Mark, though, that there's one statistic that I find found that was really interesting. And it, ZDNet reported it the week before last. Sure. So they said that 50% of the people publicly did not pay ransomware when they were affected by it. So 50%, they didn't pay it. But the survey that ZDNet said was that in actuality, 83% paid the ransomware, which I found was really interesting. Despite the FBI, despite the other regulatory agencies say, don't pay, you're probably going to get it dumped on the dark web, let alone your brand's going to be exposed, let alone you'll never get the encryption key. But it's um, ransomware is, is something I'm thankful you didn't ask me about today. Well, uh, <laughs> to your point, we've had plenty of guests speak to it, but I thought, you know, given that we haven't done a notification episode, I really thought, you know, having you on being a leader in the space, not only between your company, but Mike, you're certainly a thought leader, like I said, in, 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 in the group. So, I mean, certainly appreciate you stopping by and chatting cyber with us. Absolutely, Mark. It's my pleasure. And always, we love partnering with Marsh and I'm glad the podcast is going so well. I listen to it, uh, not all the time, but it is uh, definitely on, on the circuit. Well, thanks for the kind words. All right, thank you.